1: Ja, ja! What a
2: screamer! What a screamer! Ooh, so nah! And a fantastic goal! Arsenal back in. Here's Lippa, lines it up, finds the net.
1: Arsenal in front. It's time to fully analyze and break down a dispiriting and disappointing loss in the North London Derby that has Arsenal fans feeling Cross. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Alex Smithy, on Twitter Yankee Gunner. Are you feeling cross? Well, that's good because I've just heard that Arsenal put in another cross at White Hart Lane today, so or the toilet bowl, whatever it is, wherever they play. Um, look, it's not a fun game to discuss, but a problem shared is a problem. We can all fight with each other on the internet about. Or a problem halved. I've heard it both ways. And so we're here to do that and tell you how to shave your private. So there's lots of good stuff that's going to happen as we turn our attention towards a festive period. Why do they call it the festive period? It's usually a terrible period for our football. Um, and and I would say that the outlook is bleak. I'm going to introduce the people who are here to discuss it with me. But I will let you know that if you want the unfiltered, unfettered, emotional response, we have that on our Patreon Instant Reaction. If you just want the somewhat filtered uh, somewhat less emotional, but still very disappointed response. You can just stick around here. Paul's on Twitter. Pause my pencil pause. Woohoo! Clive's on Twitter. Clive BFC. Hello, Clive.
2: Hello, hello.
1: Clive, most interesting, Uh, sorry, important question for you. You ready for this one, Clive? Clive? Mm-hmm. Which yeah. half do you want to rewatch? Because <laughs> we got we to actually do a rewatch pod. Oh, God. I'm just kidding. We'll, we'll think about that another time when we have um something spiking our drinks. Tim's on Twitter. So hello, Tim. Hello there. Hello there, indeed. Okay, uh, quite a game to break down. And and Clive, I'll actually start with you because you know I think we felt that Arteta had the perfect opportunity in this game to fall back to what worked, to fall back to the cup final run approach. Um, That while goal scoring and chance creation has been a problem for us this season. He didn't have to focus on that this game that, you know, there was a chance that if we went at them, it would play into Jose Mourinho's hands. I mean, just to put it in perspective, in their last three wins combined, I don't think Spurs have two expected goals in their last three wins combined. Um, I I think Scott on our analytics pod uh, did a really good job breaking down just how little they create. So, you know, we could have we could have sort of fought fire with fire and sat back and played more of that that strategy from the cup final run. I was somewhat surprised that he didn't do that, and uh, it will become the narrative of how he got broken down defensively uh, later in the pod, but are you surprised that he didn't do that? Would you have preferred to have seen that approach?
2: I'm, I'm not massively surprised. Uh, I think he's, he's, he's playing the scoreboard now, mate, and he's now feeling the pressure a little bit, and he knew just because of the Leicester game, the Wolves game, the Leeds game, the Villa game, he's that many, <laughs> that he, he needed a win. And so he went out for a win and, and Jose is sitting there behind behind his desk with his, with his white cat on his lap going, <laughs> they need a win. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to watch those idiots overpress, push their fullbacks on, and I'm going to take him on the break. On the break and... We all knew that, didn't we? We we all knew the fear. I mean, I say we. I mean the collective we and absolutely every single listener knew the danger was we could overcommit and we could be caught on the break. Simple as that. And guess what we did? (laughs) We overcommitted and we got caught on the break. And uh, we spoke about it beforehand. We thought, well, maybe we'll just have one extra player back there just to help secure us and maybe discourage them. But we didn't. We sort of went for it. And... And then, yeah, it's a it's, it's a strange thing. I was sat this game down. what's sat down. My son towards this game, really excited, really nervous. Get me a glass of wine. Sit down. Bang. Kick off. We kick it out of play. I'm thinking bloody hell. Oh, oh here we go. You know I me. Mean? And it just felt. It just feels like sometimes watching this team, that I feel an effort to try to to be you know, to, to make things better. But I just look at our quality, and I just have these, like, real pangs of concern. And so, I, Elliot, if we spoke about it yesterday, didn't we, that best Arsenal we've seen in 2020 have been the big-space Arsenal, through the thirds, out from the back, progressing, zigzag up the pitch, and having space for our strikers to run into, because that's what suits them. And we've turned away from that because we weren't really creating a lot of shots. But for me, in this game, what we needed to do was just not lose. Forget the the scoreboard pressure. Just stop the rock. Just don't care. Don't play them. Boring game. Don't lose. But we we couldn't. We were a bit naive and we went for it.
1: Yeah, I I mean, and, and the hard part is, and we'll probably come on to this, is that if you squint, I think you saw some really good football there. And then you have to sort of break down and dissect what is good football. I I think that it will be easy to fall into the discussion about how we got caught on the counter. Um, But Spurs created very little. I still think the story for Arsenal in this moment that we're going to have to address is what's happening at the attacking end. Because if all Spurs had done was score one sun wonder goal um, and never had the second goal and never had another chance, we didn't score a goal. When you don't score a goal, and when you don't even produce, you know, half an expected goal, whatever it is, more, you know, three quarters of an expected goal, like it is, it is hard to say you deserve anything from the game. Uh, and and you're relying on variance to carry you because you get hit with a wonder goal like Suns, and you've lost because you can't you can't match it, you can't score. Um, but before we get to that, Tim, I I want to talk about the party thing. I think it becomes one of the huge talking points of the game, and so we can backtrack to some of the moments in the game. But let's talk about Thomas Party. There's really three components to break down here. I think the decision to start him and what it says about the pressure Arteta's is under, and, and your feeling on whether he deserves blame for that, or how you, how you approach borderline decisions like this to rush players back. Two, the way the player reacts to being injured in the moment, walking off the pitch. It's it's not really something that I've I've seen before that I can think of, and then three. The way Arteta reacts to that, with the pushing him back on, with the comments after the match. So, I know that's a lot to cover, and and we may want to all get involved mm-hmm. in this conversation because I realize this this is a big thing. So it's not just something that one of us should should get to handle alone. I, I don't want you to feel the pressure of this on your own, Tim. But it, <laughs> with respect to those three components of this really critical story the the decision to play him, the way he reacts to getting injured, and then the manager's reaction to the to the injury. Uh, what's your take on on that um, massive yeah, moment sure. in this day? Yeah.
3: Yeah, sure. So, so playing him, of course, it's a sign of desperation. All the other midfielders are fit. You know, there's nothing wrong. Well, there's nothing wrong in injury terms. with Xhaka, Sabio, or El Neni. they're all fit. Um, Joe Willock as well, all fit. Um, so, of, of course, it's a move of desperation. Um, I was still happy to see him start um, because I know how shit our midfield is, as as well as Mikel Arteta does. Um, but, you know, you, you, I'm happy about it, but I've got no idea what his condition is. I'm not with him on the training ground. I must admit, I was worried um, when, you know, when was the first time he trained was Friday. Usually, unless you're an absolutely like, you know, like Thierry Henry, Invincible's era. Yeah, one training session. Yeah, you're playing because you're Thierry Henry. That's fine. For party to be this important to us when he's played for us all of what, twice um, yes, that that has alarm bells. But to, but to be honest, that's all stuff we know, right? We know our midfield's not good enough, and he's been brought in to you know to be to be a massive uptick. But yep, it's it's absolutely it's a move of desperation. Um, I, I understand it. I mean, you can say that desperation is justified in this scenario, but yes, maybe that's um, that's a bit of an experience as well, um, showing from Arteta. As for um, his his uh, you know party's reaction to getting injured, I, I so I think in fairness, when he first goes over, Arsenal are on what looks like quite a promising attack. Um, so I, I guess in that context, you know, and, and does he go over to go off or does he go over to say, well, Teta, look, I, I'm I'm fucked. I can't carry on. Like, mm. I, I'm not entirely clear on that. And then, of course, Tottenham break. And, you know, perhaps uh, my, perhaps if he wasn't so new. Um, he would have felt a bit more confident, confident or comfortable communicating to his other players, like saying, "Look, I've I've got a problem here. Someone needs to drop in," because on one hand, Jack is really far forward, um, which which I don't understand anyway, because. Well, fuck is Granit Xhaka going to do in the final third? Like other than like <laughs> LARAP the ball out of the stadium, like, like don't go there. Like there is no, like there is no need for you to go there. Like I, I, I want more goals from our midfield and I want a runner from midfield. I don't want it to be Granit Xhaka. Um, particularly when they've got a player like Harry Kane, who does what he does dropping off into that space. But anyway, and, and, and I guess you've got to like take into account the disappointment of the player, the pain he might've been feeling, but like, honestly sit down, like sit the fuck down on the pitch. Um, you know, or or at least don't let the opposition know that you are injured and that might, at le- you know, I, I'm not expecting him to go and sprint after son and Harry Kane once the move like goes down there. But perhaps if he's standing there, not letting on that he's injured, they don't go down that side. I don't know. Um, they probably do. But, but I, I felt like really what he should have done was just sat down and said someone kick the ball out of play and then, you know. It, it, it might have unfolded it might have it might have unfolded the same Spurs probably would have just played on anyway cuz it's a Mourinho team but i you know mm. he 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 should have done something like that as for arteta kind of pushing him back on I, again like this is a guy that's feeling the pressure really um and it was another i guess act of desperation i you know I don't, I don't think it's like the crime of the century i think it's just he sees, oh shit! Like I can see exactly where this is going. Like, quick, get back on, get back on, and mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 only a, a semi-conscious decision, um, I think. But all put together, yes, it shows us. Um, it shows us what we already knew—that we're in trouble—and um, the manager doesn't really know what to do
1: about it. Yeah, I mean, I sometimes I wish Arteta could just practice the quote. You know, we've discussed it behind the scenes. You know, it's it's being taken care of. something. You, you know what? Like, I wish he could practice. Yep. You know, we we complained about Arsene Wenger's quotes always being milk toast and not giving anything away, but there's something to be said for that. And like the way he spoke about the party incident after the match, combined with the way he spoke about the Pepe incident after that match, like in both instances, I feel mad at the player. I'm a fan. I can go on Twitter and rant like crazy if I want. He's the coach, and I think he has to keep it a little closer to his vest. And I I, I think the way he laid into Pepe, um, although Pepe seemed to take it okay with his comments, but who knows what he's really feeling. And the way he, I think, sort of maybe was a little too in- open about his frustration with party in that moment. Um, he put it out there, didn't he? He did. He, he really did. And I just, you know, look, that's not the, st- we wouldn't be micro analyzing that in the absence of other issues, but with other issues, You don't need that. And given that his man management situations now, I think are going to come under the microscope. That's going to be part of it. I fully agree though. What is party doing? He's as experienced as they come. He's played in a team that was known for its caginess and its cleverness and it's, it's intelligence and, and, you know, has been to champions league finals and won La Liga's and he's just walking off the pitch there. I wonder if there's just a sense of you rushed me back and now I'm fucked again. Like I, you know, disappointment. I, I don't think it helps Arteta to come out with comments that are frustrated with the player when he's put him in the line of fire unnecessarily. I I think that weighs into this too. Um, Paul, I I don't want to cut you out of this conversation because I think it's an important one. So, I mean, you talked a bit about it with Arteta being your stock down in the instant reaction pod for this very decision. The choice to rush him back seems wrong. What I will say is like, you have to look at the context of a season, right, Paul? So if this is early April and there's an international break coming up, and you're already out of the Europa League and you're playing once a week and you've got this game and then three weeks till your next one or one thing. You say, you know what? If he re-injures, I get 21 days till we play again. But like you've got the busiest period of the entire season coming up and you probably have to let discretion be the better part of valor here. So what are your thoughts on this really critical moment in the game? And I mean, it is a shame because while you know, I don't think he was locking us down defensively. And while we were already trailing at that point, you know, we'd had that vieira s carry through the, the center of the pitch. He'd been punching the ball forward the most. He'd been really the one who looked like he could deliver the ball in the dangerous areas with the right tempo. So it was a big loss when he went down. But how do you how do you react to the way this whole situation was handled?
4: Um, I guess it it's just more evidence that I think Arteta's rattled at the moment. Um, like strategically we should have played the cagey game in this game. Overall, we should have sat back and seen and asked Tottenham to do something. They're not, they haven't demonstrated they can do yet, which is take the game to somebody else at home. And why didn't we make it their problem? Why didn't we keep it compact? And if we would sat back and kept it compact, we've had lots of good performances over the last six months without party. We wouldn't have needed to play party. Um, He's definitely an asset. He's definitely the probably the most significant player uh, in terms of Arteta's potential and future to turn this thing around. But, uh, you know, if he's. Arteta had said leading up to this that he, the guy probably wasn't ready, that they'd see how he did, that part he himself was the guy who was pushing to try and get around the doctors and the physios to play. I mean, red flag all over the place, but, but certainly he wasn't. Party wasn't been forced onto the pitch, ironically, just in the game after he got injured. Um, so, like, he wanted to be there, but who cares? Like, Arteta, this is, this is game, set and match, so, you know, don't crock the most important player uh, who can make a difference uh, to your season. So I thought that was a, a massive cock-up before the game started. Um, I mean, when I saw him in the lineup, I thought, I hope he knows what he's doing Hmm. Um, now, like my only hope with that party coming off to the sideline was him coming, coming over to say, listen, I'm feeling it. It's it's not gone yet, but I'm feeling it. What should we do, boss? Um, I wonder if he wanted a, a confab to, to get he, his Apparently, it. It he'd already like...
1: made the substitute symbol and said he needed to come off. So, I mean, okay. I I, I, okay, okay. I, I kind of with... like that interpretation, but the the yeah. commentator said party I signaled wish. he needs to come off here. And when I look at him, he looked yeah. pretty despondent, like he was standing there. And you could tell he took one yeah. stride back when Arteta pushed him, and he could not run on yeah. it, and, it at all. Yeah. And
4: Danny Wells on pretty quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the, like the one of the pro, like I agree with your analysis between you and Tam of of this situation. I do kind of think that we always want managers who will kind of tell you what's going on and not bullshit and blah blah blah. And I think when you read his fuller quote and listen to his explanation of it, it starts off sounding kind of negative, and when you're you're done reading it, it's more of just an explanation of of what happened. I don't think he was really trying to hang. Party out. He was just saying, "Listen, he he should have gone down." I was, uh, you know, he was explaining why did he push him back. He was asked, "Why was he pushed back to, onto the pitch?" And what, you know, and he was saying, "Look, he should have gone down." Well, guess what? He should have. Um, uh, he explained why he wanted to get him back on there, et cetera. And it's it sounds like just telling you what you already know. It doesn't sound like a you know a Nicholas uh, Pepe moment where he kind of hangs him out to dry and blames it on him. I, I don't think it's that bad. <laughs> And in the in the bigger scheme of things, I don't think it'll really matter. The the big fuck up here was picking them and playing them uh, when when a cooler head would have looked at the season and this period coming up where we're going to play back to back uh, twice a week Premier League games um, and and more weeks where we're playing three games. And guess what? All we needed to do was sit in, keep it tight against uh, Spurs. And uh, see if uh, see what they had against us. I think it was. I think he got two big calls wrong before this game even started. I think you know it, 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 the two goals they scored uh, made analysing the actual performance kind of a, a almost pointless task. Um, and it's just a very you know I I rewatched it. It's not as bad as I remembered it. In fact, in many ways, there's there's some reasonable performances in there, but it's kind of a bit meaningless because Spurs kind of let us play.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, uh, Clive, I don't I don't want to go too much longer on this because I want to ask you about uh, some of the things we did on the in the attacking half, and, and we could certainly get to the way we were naive and left ourselves exposed at the back for them to just execute their game plan early and then go to sleep the rest of the game. But before I do that, I mean. The decision to start party, I mean, he could have played Elneny just for the running and been more defensive. He didn't do that. He could have played Elneny next to party to have a little more mobility in midfield because Shaka, you know, whatever you thought of him before, he he really can't do it anymore. I, I was surprised he brought Ceballos on for party instead of Elneny. I mean, granted, we're chasing a game at that point, so maybe he feels he doesn't have a choice. Elneny had played... An hour uh, on Thursday, which maybe was ill-advised. So, I mean, how do you feel about the way he responded in that moment? And are you surprised he didn't go for a little more energy in central midfield? Because certainly without party, we, we had no mobility. But, I mean, even early on, you could tell Shaka was, was not going to be able to get up and down the pitch.
2: Yeah, I think um, at 2 0, it, it was a surbias game because we're trying to chase yeah. the game. It's fair. And so it's just a different type of player that's required. Hey, look, I, I don't want to talk too much about this because the guys have covered it really well. I just think it's an indicator of the pressure and the desperation that we feel. And I spoke yesterday about um, having a level of humility about where we are and who we are. And it's, it's difficult for us because we've grown up as kings, you know, we've grown up this way. And um, it's difficult. For us to see our limitations and then react to it by picking a team that potentially is not trying to win—that's not who we are. You know, that's not who we've grown up to be. And so, for me, it's it's hard to accept that we have to have a a, a pragmatic approach to a game of football. But I said yesterday, Chelsea did it. You know, Chelsea did it. They weren't too humble, right? And so, why couldn't we do it? And that comes down to us and our DNA and some of the decisions that we've made over recent years regarding wages and contracts, they're a byproduct of that, that thing in us that says, no, 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 we're not ready to accept who we are, we're still the big boys, bang, there you go, 250, bang, there you go, 100, do you see what I mean? And that's what we've been doing, and I know you know this earlier, but that's just slowing down what we need to do because we're investing in the wrong yeah. areas and the wrong age profile. So we just can't quite get it. We're not who we were. We want to get back there. You got to make some smart decisions. And I know it could be regime-related, but we, we don't look very smart off the pitch or, or on it at the moment.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I agree. So so let me stay with you for a second, um, Clyde, because I, you know, I look at this. I said this earlier. If you squint, you see some good football. I mean, we, against Wolves... We uh, we had 185 attacking third passes and 33 passes in the penalty area. You know, not completing quite a lot of them. Um, you know, and then again, you look in this game and it's. Uh, let me pull it up here. It's 213 attacking third passes, 38 passes inside the penalty area. Now again, as we know, there were, there were then the other 44, which were crosses. Um, but. You know, they played six passes in their in our penalty area, completing one. They played 35 attacking third passes. 19 were completed. Now, they didn't have to do much more. So, I, I fully understand that it it could have gone a little differently. But, you know, I'm curious how you feel about this. Because there were times in the game where I thought, well, we're progressing it better. We're getting it forward. We're pushing them back. I didn't feel that they were, like, super organized. At least in the first half, I thought there were times we were pulling them out of position but I felt this was the first game where I really looked and I said, "This isn't necessarily just a failure of tactics; it is now a failure of quality." You know, you talked in the instant reaction part about Lacazette working his socks off, and I couldn't agree more. But he's not a ten; he he, he doesn't have it there. And you know, I felt that William was what William is, which is a garbage player, past his best, and and, and shouldn't be in our team. And Aubameyang now looks. You know Whether we want to bring up the age conversation or not, Yang looks far from his peak, and Saka was trying hard, got a few things wrong in the first half. So do you feel that maybe there was some some better progressive football played and that we just didn't have the quality in the final third to exploit it? Or are you more of the mind that we just played right into their hands?
2: It's a combination of, of both. Um, it's a combination of game state. It's a combination of... <laughs> I don't think people want to hear this today, but actually we were better in this game than we were against Wolves. And there are some sparks of something, but then you question it. Can you then you ask yourself, well, why? And you know, I think I read somewhere today that Spurs have got an XG of I think 15 goals, and and they've got 23. And they've got an XG against of um, something like 13 goals, but they've actually only conceded nine. So they're they're doing, they're exceeding expectations on both ends of the pitch, and we walked into a very efficient team defensively. And a very efficient team offensively when they attack. So they're playing. He's got them bought into him. He's got them bought into what they need to do to win important matches to change the mentality. It's ugly. They're exceeding their numbers, but they're winning. So it's okay. And we're trying to find our, refine our identity. And there's something that you said last night that made me think overnight about Yang. And while we were you know singing away in, in June, July, etc., and we win the FA Cup, was really in the background there that it's really only one person scoring and maybe one person passing to him in Pepe Mm. and we we saw a little purple patch from Saka scoring a couple of goals and what really happened was we were really excited by this you know really excited then we bring William in and Pepe gets crushed so we lose him we lose a Bamiyang after the contract signature and you look at the rest of the team and you're thinking oh my god who's going to score I mean who is going to score and it sort of hit us by it's really hit us hard It's really hit us hard and so that we've lost our offensive confidence completely and no more so than the really emotional sensitive Yang, who is a smiling happy player when he's happy you can't miss it I think we're discovering when he's sad you can't miss that neither you know it's really obvious he's just that type of player you can just see how he's feeling and so we're how he's been carrying us but we can't he's no longer carrying us and so we're in a situation where, yes, there are some improving things. Yes, I know the, the crosses are, are, you know, too many, too many low quality. But, you know, I would like to see more inverted crosses, actually, you know, with a lefty from the right and a righty from the left. So you're making people back into their goal rather than, the, you know, rather than a lefty from the left where you're swinging it away. It's easier to defend. I want defenders going back towards their goal. I'm not against crosses, I'm not against it, it's just the type of crosses and the fact that you have a model in the middle where people are going to be there to understand what's happening, where it's going to land on the type of players unless you do something with it. And so we're just in this funk at the moment about who we are and how we want to be and we just have to decide which one of these experienced players that we're going to build around attacking wise. Given the fact that we've given the 250 to our, our skipper, we need to create a game plan that works for him. When he's on the left, we didn't really use him, or we used him in the wrong way. When he's in the middle, we're, we can't seem to find him. And so we're being coached against, coached around, and we just haven't got the tools in place to really deliver a consistent attacking identity at the moment. And I'm not saying anything that you guys don't know, but it's becoming really apparent in the last few games I'll tell you now, man, you can't go on for one more on Sunday because we'll be in real trouble.
1: Yeah, and, and and I mean, it's another game, you know, where whatever the reason. So so I would say that, like, early on when we were struggling under Arteta to create chances, I felt that, you know, we had the horseshoe of sadness. A lot of passing around the deep midfield, <clears throat> around the center stripe. You know, if you look at the... Um, you know, the pass map against Leicester. That Leicester game was diabolical. And we never really even pushed them back very much. Um, Wolves, I felt, were in a much more settled defensive shape for most of the game, and we rarely troubled them. But again, Spurs, there were moments. The, the counterattack where they get their second goal starts with us having a really good back-to-front move that ends up with an opportunity if Oba just comes free from his marker and he doesn't. And I think the Obama Yang discussion is an urgent one because in a team without that quality in the final third, he's supposed to be it. He's we gave him three hundred grand a week to be the savior, the the fix for a woefully inadequate front front line. Um Tim, I you know I, I don't know what to make of what's going on with Obama Yang, but I'm curious if you you know the 44 crosses thing is going to get a lot of attention because it is a patently ridiculous way to play. You know, we discussed this on the analytics pod. There's crosses and there's pullback. Crosses come in different varieties. Some of them are low quality chances. Some of them are actually good chances or moves where there could have been a chance, but the player opted to float in a cross instead of just making a clear pass. There were, you know, back heels from Aubameyang in the box to Saka. There were crosses across the face of goal where the, the striker didn't make the run. There there was the move right before they score where, you know, we we had what I thought was a presentable opportunity i mean cutbacks are high quality chances sometimes they're classed as crosses sometimes they're not i have to admit i don't totally understand how those statistics work so for you i mean where do you fall on my theory that the ball is now getting to the final third in ways that it wasn't earlier but the quality there is not there and and is it is it an obama problem i mean is that what we're confronting now or is it more of a delivery issue Oh, I think it's a delivery issue like I I just think it's such a
3: rubbish idea I can't I can't put it any more um I can't put it any more succinctly or sympathetically than that it is an absolutely rubbish idea from the coach he's look I I like I have some sympathy in terms of progressing the ball into the final third because he he just patently doesn't have players who can really do that very well um maybe Partey's one of them um but we're not we're not seeing that much of him um at the moment because we're not managing in fitness wise um but like who like what you need if if you're tactic i mean by the way can you think of a really successful team whose tactic is to throw 40 plus crosses into the box a game uh, cuz i can't like, i can't really. it's weird
1: right cuz cuz tim the funny um, thing is no but like when i think of manchester city and in their pump, they were a team that kind of like Brought it to to either Silver De Bruyne who put it out wide to you know someone like Sterling who then cut it back to uh, to Aguero or something like like I can think of teams yeah. that use Ballmore those wide spaces Liverpool too but not with not with the kind of crosses that we're delivering.
3: No, 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 not like chucking, like getting your fullbacks to just lob right, the yes. in the <laughs> touchline. Like, like you, you're right, yeah, the way Man City play, but that's like, that's intricate. That's like really good movement patterns of play. And that's just about getting as close to the goal as possible for a cutback. This is like just crosses lobbed in, um, you know, from a standing and from like a standing start as well. And and so on this, like, so I, I do have some issues with, uh, you know, Aubameyang's, I guess, body language. As, mu- as much as I kind of don't blame him. You know, there's a part of me that thinks, "Come on, you're the experienced guy in the pitch, and all that stuff that Steve Round said in that interview um, about six months ago about, you know, not showing negative behaviours and things like that." I think he's showing quite a lot at the moment. But like, what what has made them fall on this idea? Um, do, you, do you know where teams that chuck loads of aimless crosses in finish fifteenth? That's where they finish. That's what those teams do, right? We're playing Burnley next. Kind of what burnley do right but they've got ashley barnes um and chris wood up front so unless we're about to put in bids for like andy carroll or ashley barnes we shouldn't be playing this way and i know it's not easy um to make this team attack well but it just seems to me that Arteta's looked at it and gone right. I still don't want to play through the middle because I don't think we've got the quality for that. So um, why don't I just get like loads of crosses in? And uh, in fairness, we have some guys who can cross. Like Willian can cross. I think Bellerin's good at it. Tien is good at it. Good at it. You know, we have some good crosses, but we have nobody who thrives on that kind of that kind of service. Like Giroud left nearly three years ago. And the other thing that makes crosses a bit more effective is midfield runners, like creating that bit of chaos. But we don't have that either. So what we're trying to do is hit the absolute eye of the needle by putting it on a Bamiyang's head. And a Bamiyang doesn't even like that. That's not his game at all. And, you know had that one chance from the header like basically what's happening at the moment i think i saw we've hit over a hundred crosses in the last four games and it's got one goal it's it's an unbelievably inefficient tactic like you should have it in your armory but your own not not just your sole tactic but your only tactic like no that that is not the answer mm-hmm. um that is you know <laughs> we were i I don't want to say we were sold. I, I guess a lot of us convinced ourselves, probably myself included, that Arteta would be this exciting young coach at like the vanguard of of, of football tactics. And here we are like playing like Burnley um, and it's rubbish. And, and do you know what? Like, I, and I don't mean that dismissively to Burnley because Burnley had the players to do it. And so like- I, Well, and different I, I don't aspirations. Don't
1: have,
3: well, yeah, yeah. Because they'd be happy with 15th. Mm-hmm and like i, I don't have um, i like i don't i don't care about the style of football i don't care if it's passing out from the back i don't care if it's passing i don't care if, all, all i ever want when i watch arsenal is to do do what works and the, and and arteta has my sympathy in the same way emery had my sympathy in that it's very hard to make something work with these players, but this is not it. And I really don't, I'm really concerned by some of Arteta's comments about, I think after um, Wolves, he said like, oh, we we weren't ruthless enough. And this game he's talking about, you've got to put the ball in the net. And it's like, he he's trying, like, I, I feel like he's trying to bullshit us, if I'm being quite frank. Um, and kind of putting it on the all the you know the players aren't putting the ball in the net and it's like it's because we're not creating chances for them like you're just trying to lob the ball on their heads from 15 yards out of course they're not scoring it's not like we're putting them through on goal three times a game and they keep missing it's because then like they're not chances like how many saves did larice have to make in this game like i can think of one from lacazette
2: and that how was many were from feet. Two. D- did, from did holding, we, just one from holding. One from Lacazette. Both from headers.
1: Did, did yeah. we have any shots with feet? I can't even think. I'm, we must have maybe outside the box or from a free kick or something. I can't think of it. Did anyone take a shot with their foot?
3: No, uh, <laughs> uh, there was uh, some blocked ones, and and there was that you know that one um, chance for abameyang where Out of comes back and blocks his shot, and and Aubameyang looks a bit. He looks like a guy who's a bit pissed off and not not scoring many goals at the moment, but. Whereas I kind of think, you know, you compare that, that chance he has where he gets blocked by out of Ireland, that is almost exactly the same position um, from which he scores the winner in the cup final. And look at how differently he takes those two chances. You know, in August it's, yep, I'm going to skip round you and just chip the ball over the goalkeeper. Whereas here it's, I'm just going to smash it with my left foot and hope. Um, and, and that's where he's kind of culpable and his confidence is culpable. But I, I'm sorry, this this tactic is rubbish, it is rubbish. And Arteta is trying to bullshit us by telling us that this is about, you know, not being ruthless or not being clinical. It's a rubbish tactic. And um I, I just I have I have real concerns now that Arteta is falling, has fallen into the trap Emery has uh, fell into, which is trying to create something that works with these players or the like getting like the perfect system or the perfect fit for these players. And I don't think it exists. I think what I think what I've learned and and this is wise after the event, but I think what I've learned um, from watching like the last couple of managers is that, what the manager should do really is fuck it, play your style, and then recruit around it because that makes recruitment easier as well. Because you say, right, we're playing this way, it makes it much more e- it makes it much easier to identify players that you want. So you don't end up like spending, you know, giving big contracts to guys like Suarez and Willian into their mid 30s. Mm-hmm. Play your style, play the game that you want to play from the day that you walked into the job. And if they can't do it, recruit around it. And it won't be great. I know that. And I know there'd be bumps in the road and we wouldn't be brilliant. I don't think we'd be 15th.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, that's all well said. That That is a lot of good stuff there. And I, I will say the funny thing is like, Tim, I I have to admit I watched the second half kind of zoned out because I knew we had no chance. I mean, I watched it, but I knew it was done. I knew it was done. I knew, I knew what was going to happen. The interesting thing is I remember the first half as a half where we actually had some reasonable attacking possession. And the irony is when you look at it, we had 15 crosses in the first half. I mean, it's a lot, but it's not holy shit. But that means we had 29 in the second half, which is kind of how I remember the second half. I remember a first half where we pulled him out of position a bit. We did some things. We, we had some little intricate moves around the box and some things that, you know, under different circumstances with better quality, with an Aubameyang in form, or with players that are a little bit better than Willian and Lacazette are and maybe even Saka, who, let's be fair, first half misplaced some stuff, um, we, we create something. It was the second half, 29, I mean, 29 crosses is a 58 cross pace. That's the half where I thought all the invention, all the creativity, all the, you know, you know what lobbing in 29 crosses is? It's quitting. It's getting to the byline and throwing it across. It's not hustling to spots and trying to interconnect and trying to one-two and trying to play in behind. It's, it's quitting in a way because it is the easiest way to just make an attacking move look like you did something. I got to the byline and I lobbed in across. Terrible. Terrible. Um, Paul, I'm going to pick at a scab here and I hate to do it, but I have to do it. Um, but since I'm going to pick at a scab, it gives me the perfect opportunity to talk briefly about scabs or at least... Not having scabs, not having abrasions, not having cuts of any kind. You know, maybe just the thing to shave off the pain of the North London Derby is to just start shaving off hair in places you don't need it in your body. And that's right. I am weaving in a Manscaped advert. So Canada, Europe, Australia, good luck. You're in luck. Stocking stuffers, they're available now where you are. UK, US, you're still in play. Let's get it done. Let's make these stocking stuffers for everyone. Um, The Lawnmower 3.0, couple of highlights. Great battery life. Wet, dry. Bring it in the shower. Clean it up down there. Maybe the gift isn't the, the lawnmower. Maybe the gift is your partner. To your partner, that you are clean and and fresh and ready for the joy and love and connectedness that we experience during the holidays. Hopefully, and if you're not experiencing that, maybe it's just self-love, self love, self self maintenance. Um, the thing has ceramic blades, like it does not pull, it does not tug. You can use it on eyebrows. You can use it on, um, you know, uh, uh, unwanted hair, wherever it is, chest. Certainly, the privates are the area that we are targeting here. And that goes for men and women. Beautiful recharger just sits on your vanity or in the in the shower. Leave it there for weeks if you want because the battery lasts forever. You're going to love the Lawn 3.0, but the most important thing you're going to love is putting in our promo code because you will get 20% off in free shipping. That's cool. And that's a stocking stuffer. So, uh, Manscaped.com. 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 Promo code. What's the promo code? It's Arsenal Vision. It's Arsenal Vision post Podcast. the promo code. is Arsenal Vision. Just do it. Again, if you do it, I will send you private feeds of this podcast without me talking about shaving your privates. How about that? How about that as a deal? Hit me up. Manscaped.com, promo code ArsenalVision. You're going to love the thing. Look, you have to do it. You have to do it. What are you doing? Are you using a blade, a rusty blade that's been in your shower for eight weeks? How's that working out? Don't do that. Do this. Manscaped.com, promo code ArsenalVision. Cool. All right. Paul, we're going to pick at a scab and then Clive, I, I, I definitely will get back to you on Cross. Is that okay? Fair enough? That's yes. Cool. Or, or do you, How about this? How, just jump in on the crosses thing real quick, Why, because we're on that topic. You you do it, uh, jump in on the crosses, and then I'll let Paul pick at the scab, and then I'll come back to you with uh, with okay. a, a question. I think a lot of people have on their mind.
2: Well, as Tim was talking, you know, crosses is a, is a cheap way of playing. In my mind, sometimes I think he's just giving the ball away, getting a noo from the crowd. But I look back quickly on the uh, City and um, Chelsea games versus uh, Tottenham. And City put in 30 crosses, and Chelsea put in 26 crosses, which is quite a lot for those two teams, right? So this is a tactic that Tottenham do. They give you outsides, they block the middle, they bring their centre mids into, into the back line, and they're really strong around the penalty area. So they're saying to you, we fancy Alderweire, Dyer, Hoiberg, and Sissoko to head it out. You keep putting it in there, and we'll escape. And when we escape, we'll try and be efficient. And so we're falling into a trap. And the question I have is, the wart is something similar to us and Spurs is something similar to us. So suddenly we're talking about crosses. At no point during the last year have I heard anyone talk about crosses. So is it just a byproduct of the last two games and how we've been defending the games? The question I ask is, why now? You know, why now? Is it because we are progressing progressive ball, have been allowed to and this is who we are? People are putting the crosses in. They're two new signings in Willian and Tierney, primarily with Bellerin. This is a byproduct of how they play. So I've got a few questions around this. I'm not sure if this is it for us. That we could become a crossing team. But I do think, obviously, I'm, it's not efficient, as we all know. But I still think I'm not sure this is quite the style we want to play. Maybe it's your position that are telling us who we are and say, look, don't let Arsenal play through you. They're crap at crossing. We're, we're crap. We're dumb. And we're crossing. Do you know what I mean, I think it may be that.
1: Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, and and yeah. I mean, again, just super quick, Clive. I think what you've said sort of aligns with my view. By the way, which is especially in the second half, lobbing in twenty nine crosses. I don't know that that's the plan. It feels a little like quitting. You know what I mean? Because it's it's a brainless, easy way to just do an attack without having to put in the extra work and creativity and quality to make something better. Yeah. If you see my point.
2: It was easy, less stressful way. Mm-hmm. Let's get it quite close. Let's whip it in and hope something will happen. And like if we scored, I bet we'd have started playing football again. It, is a, it looks like a team low on confidence and low on yeah. creativity and low on believing they can play their way through people. They're just lobbing the ball in there. And that just tells you that the whole team and management is under stress.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I, I want to do something... Paul, that, that I'm loath to do, but I feel we need to do it. I'm going to pick at a scab, as I mentioned, and then um, we can maybe turn our attention a little bit to the manager himself and, and a couple other uh, individual performances as well. But look, there is a guy who, in my view, put in one of, the, one of the best shifts in the game just in terms of pure energy, commitment, effort to do what he's being asked to do, and that is Alexander Lacazette. I thought Lacazette's effort, approach, energy, you know, he was the most fouled, is popping up in that position at the top of the box, sort of between the lines to try to, to try to facilitate. And what I see is a guy who, for all of the things that I think are nice about him, cannot do what he's being asked to do. Can he do it against Rapid Vienna? He can, and he did. Can he do it against Spurs in the Premier League? He can't, and he didn't. And there is a real point I think has to be made. We as fans have got to appreciate that talent is more important than effort. The best players have both. But you cannot prioritize effort over talent. Maybe you can at, you know, at a a position, you know, like center back at some level where you can grit through it if you're just smart and working hard. I don't know. But I think at the highest level of football, talent beats effort every time. Not every time. Nine times out of ten. And that the best players, again, the De Bruyne's, you know, they, they have it all. And we don't have those players. I I think Mikel Arteta has made a, a real problem for himself because instead of playing Alexander Lacazette out of position between the lines, grafting but not succeeding, he could have mesodozo. He could he could have mesodozo and instead Mesodozo is getting three hundred and fifty thousand pounds a week to sit on his couch and play Fortnite while a, a really past his best number nine is trying to play number ten and not getting it done. Would Mesodozo ever work as hard as Lacazette did in this game? Probably not. And even still, he would do it better than Lacazette did. I don't want to pretend messi Ozil was putting in game-winning performances before he was uh, left out of this team because that's not the case. But he was playing for Arteta and he was playing well and the attack was better. The, the attack when Ozil was in was better. If you hate Mesut Ozil, I'm here for that. You have every right to have that opinion. If you're glad he's out of the team, again, here for it. You're welcome to have that opinion. But the club is paying him £350,000 a week and using Alexander Lacazette at 10 in the Derby, and it's not working. So for you, Paul, is this a situation that Arteta has to correct, has to resolve, has to bring him back in January, assuming we're still talking about Mikel Arteta in January? Because, like, talent beats effort. It just does. Genduzi would be better than Shaka. Ozo would be better than Lacazette. And I'm not saying he handled those situations wrong under the circumstances. I want to be clear, I don't know enough about them. He may have had no choice. I'm curious how you feel about that and about the fact that we are now, you know, trying to win these games with an arm and a leg tied behind our back, in part because of decisions that he's he's made at how to manage the squad.
4: Well, Ozo's gone. Um and like he's not that's just gone. So he is, yeah.
1: He's not gone. He can play like, in January.
4: This manager is absolutely fucking dead if he brings back Mesudov now.
1: Okay, fair absolutely enough. dead. Fair enough. Okay, I see your point. I see your. I see your point, but I, I guess all I meant is he's not. He can play he, in February. Sorry, Clyde. Clyde pointed from out the February squad yeah.
4: because he was no good at football. Right. I mean, he played almost every game up till the break. So that's not what this is about. And I personally have accepted the pledge that ozil has gone. I'm not going to pull my hair about it, out about it. It doesn't matter what we're paying him at this point. That money's gone too. So I have moved on from that. If other people want to discuss mess at Ozil, I guess great.
1: To, to be fair, I ma- had we had a whole episode that I titled the last mess at Ozil conversation. So fuck yeah. me, I guess. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, I did feel we'd we'd kind of. But yeah. anyway, um, so here here's my ma- here here's my little. Pu- um, Pet theory, Probably as good as the party one you shot down a little earlier with actual facts. But here's my theory. The manager, the team had a big old chat, um, a big old bust up after the Wolves game and had heart to hearts and started to talk about how they wanted to play going forward. Unfortunately, the next game was against Spurs. And what the manager should have done was said, yeah, let's just park that for a week or so. And then we'll start talking about going, playing more progressive football, creating, getting Obama Yang the ball in more dangerous spa- places. Unfortunately, the next game up was Spurs. The one game he should have said, uh, for this game and for one game only, we're going back to to uh, the original plan. And I think timing was just shit here. I think the, they all had a heart-to-heart. They all came out of that with kind of having uh, pointed the finger and then having resolved how they were going to play together going forward uh, uh, under the manager's auspices, and the next game up is Spurs. Now, the problem for Arteta is creative players, and he doesn't have any. And the closest thing he has at the moment, having tried it out against Rapid Vienna, was Lacazette, who was great in that game, but it was Rapid Vienna. In this game... um, Lacazette didn't just work hard. He was actually pretty good at being a 10 at times. There's that ball, uh, I think somewhere like halfway through the first half, he puts through to Bellerin. Uh, Bellerin crosses it to Aubameyang, if I'm remembering the playwright, and Aubameyang is ponderous and gets isolated over to the left one-on-one and tries to lay it off to somebody, or maybe that's the one Saka uh, goes tearing up and... uh, uh all by back heals it to him and uh Saka puts in a cross or something. Um but he had a number of moments. The the main problem with Lacazette was he didn't have nearly enough. There was a really good piece on Match of the Day where they showed all the times where the number ten should make himself available or or one of the more attacking uh wide players like Saka or William, but certainly uh Lacazette there were there was that zone ahead of uh, Chaka or Ceballos, especially in the sef- second half, where, and you'd see Lacazette, and he was kind of strolling. And it wasn't that he hadn't worked hard all game, he had. But, he, you know, he's not wired as a number 10, so he uh, he's going to do it for the first 20, 25 minutes, and then the game takes its own course, and he gets tired, and he starts thinking like a striker again, or a second striker. And... Uh, the challenge for the manager is if he's going to persist with Lacazette as a 10, I mean, I think he might be a half decent number 10, but it takes a while that when you're tired and the game's under stress and you're, you're just trying to find something that works. Uh, it, it's going to take some period of time for Lacazette to switch his mindset and to see the game as a 10 when he's tired, when he's exhausted, when he's, he's, uh, Playing under stress, when the game's under duress, and in the second half, I think he reverted to being a, a second striker, and it meant that our plan got even more basic. In that, the guy who was supposed to be dropping in to those z- zones uh, to play through the middle stopped kind of doing that after a while. So I d- I don't think it was a totally pointless exercise I just think there's a really tough time in mm. a season to make a switch like that I don't know if he's good enough to do it uh, I do think he's got some promise in that area but this is a very bri- you know he ain't he ain't Harry Kane uh, and he, he's, he's not going to make that switch that easily that comfortably but I do think he
1: has some game there yeah uh, this wasn't uh, the game to do it God love you Paul I, I think you can make a cogent argument for anything And everything you hear my
4: chaka take right now, you'd love it. Uh, That all right? You can't make a
1: cogent argument for that. That guy's dead. But like, the fact is, good, well-run clubs don't decide that the way they're going to facilitate their attack is taking a 29-year-old declining striker who was never elite to begin with and make him their number ten, and that's how their attack's going to be facilitated. And I agree with you. He's got something there. We saw it against Vienna. And that's the level where he's got something. And we saw against this team, he didn't. And it's not to say he will never, ever, ever have any good games or ever influence a game playing that role. Because that's not how football works. The issue is, will he consistently be good enough at this role that it will get us where we need to go? And the answer is patently no. Now, that may be why we're looking at players like Awar and Dominic Soboslai, or you know, whoever it's going to be. Great. I think the reason I even brought up Ozil, and I now sort of regret doing it, um, and, uh, wish I could go back to that point in my life and, and, and take it back. But, um, it's the man management issues for me are there. I'm just going to say something real quick. And then Clive, I want you to talk about Hector Bellerin for a second, but you know, look, I've had people in business, you know, where I, we not, I'm, I'm at work and I have someone who's important to my business and important to how I earn a living. Be rude to me, be mean to me, treat me poorly, treat me in a way that I don't think I deserve. And the instinct is to want to tell them to go fuck themselves. And then you, you think about it and you go, you know what, like, I'm, I'm a grown person with a family. And while that's the way I want to deal with it, and that's probably what they deserve, I have to find another way to solve this because my livelihood depends on it. And I just think Arteta has had a very one-note man management approach. Now, at first, it looked like culture change. But you know what, guys? Are we better for the culture change? So we changed the culture. Are we better? Is the club better? Is the team better? Are we playing better? Do the players look happier? Culture is a thing we say when teams are winning when teams are moving in the right direction. Oh, they've improved the culture. Culture doesn't look improved now. And then you look at it and you say, you know, he his first move is always to freeze out. His first move is to punish. The way he wants to talk about Pepe after the red card. The way he wanted to deal with issues that we saw from last season that I won't reiterate. And, you know, I mean, it does make me wonder. But then you look and you say, well, Willian goes to Saudi Arabia with, you know, a COVID lockdown violation comes right back into the team. So, like, is it one rule for one set of players, another rule for another set. I don't know. I'm not totally sure how I feel about it. But I think this fixation on culture that we, myself included, we're all very sort of on board with, what I'm coming to realize is he's got to find other ways to solve discrepancies with the players because the culture's not better, the team's not winning, and he's just making his own life harder because he doesn't have the best players on the pitch. Not because they can't be, but because he's decided they shouldn't be. And I don't know if he has the luxury because if he winds up losing this job it's gonna be partly because he has a shit squad but part of the reason he's gonna have a shit squad is because he decided to play Willian over Pepe because he decided to chase young talent out of the team because he never gave Saliba a chance because he did decide that Ozil's better on a couch than in team and he may have been right by the way I wanna be clear I, I can say this now because I've got the benefit of sitting here when he's losing and saying ha ha that was wrong he may have been right in every one of those situations but he's made his life harder and maybe he needs to find other ways to approach his man management where he doesn't make his own life harder culture isn't a thing it is, I mean, it is a thing. Let, sorry, culture yeah. is a thing. But it is a thing that it is much easier to post-hoc analyze when you're winning and say, aha, look at that. Look at that. That's culture. So, you know, I I, I gotta be honest with you. I, I don't know that the culture thing matters. And, you know, Clive has just typed in the chat, look at Emery, he lost the dressing room, and that's what happens. Like, are we sure that Arteta's not? I mean, we often say lost the dressing room when the results go to shit. They can't go much more to shit than this. Um, and I'm gonna talk about the results in a moment. But before I do that... Clive, I want to talk about Bellerin just real quick. I don't think this is a day for too much individual analysis. I think Aubameyang is certainly one. Bellerin's another. This is a tricky one for me because on the one hand, I think he is one of our best final third players in the entire club right now. On that right-hand side, he delivers a better ball. He creates more threat. He has more dribbles. He has more uh, in-the-box passes than William does. So I don't want to kill him, but he's also the one that all the teams target for their attacks. Now, if you ask me, what is our biggest problem at Arsenal right now? It is not the defense. It is the attack. So I kind of want to have him in the team because I, I I don't think we can attack without him. But at the point at which every single thing that happens bad to you at the other end of the pitch happens on your side, it's hard to ignore it. So where do you fall on the idea that like Hector Bellerin is good enough in the attack that we can suffer his defensive liabilities, or or, or is he such a weak link now that it just makes it too easy for teams to target? Because Sun just went to his side, him and Holding targeted it, and you know, the rest is history.
2: Yeah, I did sort of say this before the game, didn't I? What would happen? Yeah, yeah you, you called
1: go. it. You absolutely called it.
2: And, yeah, you, I don't know what to say, right? <laughs> I think um, it's a team thing. It's all about balance, fullback balance. I don't like both my backs as high as what we have them. I, I don't. I prefer the Ashley cole Lauren thing. One goes high, one one inverts. We need to decide. We can't have two high. The reason why we can't have two high is because we're killing our we're killing Rob Holding. Killing that right centre back. And where Willian is subcontracted, roll out to Bellerin, or Bellerin is just too forceful a personality. And he's in the area playing that final pass that the second goal. That I would rather see Willian or Pepe do. Do you know what I mean? Because they're sort of paid for that sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? I'd rather see Bellarin be back. Are we
1: sure that as- Pepe's paid, uh, Williams paid for that? Do we know what Pepe Williams being paid to do at all?
2: <laughs> do- <laughs> you know, you know what I mean. The <laughs> I do, yeah, is on is on them to do that. And um, and we can we can critique we can critique him a bit more. If Tierney and Bellerin are chief curators, there's something wrong with the team. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If we're getting broken on and those guys are running back out of the picture, then there's something wrong. And so if you have you know, if you have just look at your team. If you have Rob Holding, you make sure you don't leave him on an island very simple, right, so his um, someone's on that side, will somebody just have a little look over your shoulder and make sure he can't hurt you, don't just keep pushing on, pushing on, pushing on, and you look on the other side, and Tini's out there as well there's no chance to shuffle across and support, you know, he just looks a bit dumb, and then you've got Shaka piling forward as well, and Tim said, what's he gonna do right, so, um so it's just really perplexing what we're doing. And so with Belloway, my issue with him is he's just he's just intelligent. I think he's a fine young man and a fine player in a front footed team that's in charge of a game. We're not. We're not that team anymore. Right? So and he he does things in games and he defends by trying to push people back. And he defends by getting the ball intercepted, punching it and going. And he tries to force his winger to come back with them. And Saunders says, No, and what Mourinho did quite cleverly was just said, "Don't don't worry about him. You just stand in that area, mate. He's dumb. He'll go forward because he gets excited. He'll go forward, and we'll get the ball to you mm-hmm. within six minutes." That's exactly what happened. And Bellerin knew he bore what he came inside, and he and he really tried to recover, but he recovered so aggressively, so speedily. He didn't know where to go, to the overlap or go to the man. And in the end, he didn't either. And and between him and holding, they just the boy the guy stuck the ball into the top corner. It's just, you know, you know what what happens with Arsenal. I mean, Wolves did it to us, Leicester did it to us. Villa absolutely punished that side. And so, at some point, you have to say, "I need to sit in for a bit," or someone needs to tell him to sit in, you know, because it's not we're getting killed down that channel and that right channel. We're getting killed continually. And so, I don't really care who the player is there. Just make sure you're coaching appropriately to do the job. Do the first job. Teams are picking on you. Right? So stop. let's stop that happening for a little while. Can you just settle in? The one thing I did watch this game and think, you know what? We didn't play very well in some patches, and some patches we did play quite well. But I looked at Bellerin and I thought, you're trying really hard, and you've got the personality to hold a shirt, so I don't want to critique you. But you're making the same errors. We've been picked on the same way. You're trying almost too hard. And it was his balls in this game that actually caused both breakaways. And it's not his fault and on his own, but he's just a byproduct of us being too ambitious, not having enough brains to invert one of our fullbacks backs and hold the midfield and stop transitions against a team that doesn't want to play you and just wants to transition. So, do I blame Berenice? I do I blame the coach. I'll probably blame both. Know your player. Know he's excitable. Know he cares. He's a he's basically a London boy since he was 16. He really wants his game and he's going to push. He's going to push. If you don't hold him, I mean, make sure Tini don't push. Do you know what I mean? Make sure there's there's a there's a secondary plan. I don't think we did that. So We're not supporting Belerim. We're not supporting holding. Well, we know what Shaka can't do, right? So we just leave ourselves very very vulnerable to the obvious game plan, and it came to fruition. So that Belerim's taking some stick. My views on him are: he's better away from his goal, and he's close to his goal. Mm. I think there there are other options we could try, but not all of them have the personality to play for Arsenal, and his kid does. And so I want to try to support him, but there's some weaknesses showing there, and it's been obvious for quite a while.
1: Yeah. yeah. Can I, um, Please. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, can I just add on the Bellerin thing, just really quickly? I, I think the issue... Um, is that we're asking him to do too many jobs. So he's part of the five lanes of attack, but not just that. Sometimes he's on the inside and sometimes he's on the outside um, of those kind of the right-hand side of those five lanes. And then we're asking him to be part of the five lanes of uh, defence. And again, sometimes it's on the inside and sometimes he's on the outside. Not for the first time this season. Look at where he is when the goal is scored. He's inside Rob Holding and that's happened a few times. So we're kind of asking him to occupy four zones. And what's happening, basically, when when we gave Saka that job at left wing back, we sat Granit Xhaka behind him um, to give him that protection. There's no one giving Bellerin that type of prote- protection there. So he kind of has my sympathy in terms of you know, Clive's right. He tries so hard to get back that he sprints back. You know, he's really got the afterburners on and he does get back quickly, but it's so frantic Um, And so kind of panicked because he's being asked to cover too much ground. And when you're being asked to cover that much ground, you can't then come back and then think clearly about your defensive actions. Um, And I appreciate he's, you know, he's made other defensive mistakes this season, like when he's been taken on by the likes of Grealish and whatever. But honestly, I do think about 80% of it is we're giving him too many jobs and nobody to kind of protect, to help shore up that flank a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree with that a lot. I mean, I I don't think the system's doing him any favors. I mean, he's he is one of the players that's being asked to do a little bit of everything, and when you know, it's it's easy to miss the good things he's doing in attack for a team that isn't scoring goals. But it's not easy to miss when they score a goal against us down his side, and that's not to exonerate him, Tim. I I I'm just going to get into this now. I mean. How much longer does Arteta get? Um, I want to be clear about something. If you are someone who at this point still thinks people asking serious questions about the manager are premature, then you are out of your mind. Absolutely out of your mind. Um, It doesn't mean he should be sacked. It doesn't even mean I want him to be sacked. But there are questions that absolutely must be asked about him now. And it would be insane not to be asking them. We are 15th, and depending on results today, we could be 16th in the table after 11 games. We've scored 10 goals. We are 17th in goals, 18th in XG. Our star signing is out after being rushed back from injury. Last year's star signing is backing up Willian. It is a problem, and it's not a new problem. Last season's attack was bad. We finished eighth. We got knocked out of the Europa League by Olympiacos. The only thing that has... Arteta right now in a position of any comfort is an FA Cup win, which is not just some small thing. It is a big thing, a thing we care about, a thing we love, and a thing we are thankful for. I remember very clearly Arsene Wenger winning FA Cups when people still were ready for him to go. People begging for him to go after we beat Chelsea in the Cup Final, saying, go out on a high. Now's the perfect time, okay? Because of all the other things that were going on. And at that time, we were fourth. We are now 15th, 16th with the eighteenth best attack. Find me a big club. A big club. Something what we're supposed to be, the New York Times read an article on us saying nothing lasts forever, talking about how we've lost big club status, about how things have changed. I I don't think it's true. But if you can think of a big club that would be fifteenth with 10 goals scored through eleven games that wouldn't be asking questions about the manager, I I think it's ridiculous. Now that doesn't mean he should go. I want to be clear that doesn't mean he should go. But the questions being asked are not cannot at this point be called premature 70 70 80 crosses in the last two games not scoring any goals i mean it it is it is absolutely question time and even if you want to say well the the squad is shit i agree the squad is shit but some of the reason the squad is shit is him i mean he chased hmm. some players away he recruited some i mean we don't know for sure but it sure looks like william was his call and then william was playing ahead of pepe that's his call not to say that Pepe's perfect, but it, it's the point that there are, there are things going on at the club right now that are terrible that he, are, he is not responsible for, but you can't sack the squad. So I'm not saying he should be sacked, but I do think that it is insane to suggest it's too soon for questions. And Tim, are you going to talk me off the ledge and tell me I'm insane, or are you going to say that I'm right? And, and what is the timeline now? What kind of turnaround has to happen for the club to say, okay, this is, this is on track. This is going the right direction.
3: Yeah, of course. I mean, of course, of of course, it's the right time for questions. Of course, the the very fact that that we're talking about them and you're asking them says it's the right time for questions. I I guess are the club asking those questions? They'd be stupid if they weren't having that conversation. And like you say, that conversation doesn't have to be, oh, my God, when do we sack him? But that conversation has to be okay, like like let's you know, let's let's. Uh, you know, project a little bit worst-case scenario and all of that. I mean, if really, it's it's too difficult to say um, exactly when that point is reached and what happens and whatnot. Like, if we don't, let's say we lose all of our next like six games or something, that then you know, then you're probably looking at that's the time. If we bumble through and get like a couple of wins, couple of draws, couple of defeats, like like I I think. The club is desperate not to have to make this call, um, and you could also say that this season is domestically at least a write-off already, um, quite possibly. And therefore, and then you've also got to look at, you know, what what are the actual options out there for a replacement? All of these things come into it, but all of those things came in for Emery as well. And frankly, when we sacked Emery, there was nobody out there except Ancelotti, who, who we didn't seem to want to go for. Um, which is not a call I'm criticising per se, but that was the only real obvious name out there. But basically, it reaches a critical mass at some point where you look at it and you go, right, the play- like like the players are the important ones I think here. When you go, like these players look totally bewildered um, by by everything they're being asked to do, and they just you know we reach that that critical mass with Emery right I personally I wanted him to go after the Europa League final but I understood why the call wasn't made then like I don't expect my opinion to be you know the club's opinion or the right opinion that was just my feeling I thought "Mm, I don't think this is going anywhere he should go Um, but then and, and you know I'd say a lot of people agreed with me a lot of people disagreed with me at that point but by the time that Emery actually went like pretty much everyone was on that. Yeah, God, this is. Do you know what I mean? Like, it just reaches a critical mass, and it's difficult to project when that point comes. You, you, you but you know when it arrives, right? It's, it's like um, I think they call it uh the the paradox of the heap. Um, It might have a smarter name than that but you know like when you have like one grain of sand in your in your hand and then you put another one two grains of sand That's not a heap three isn't four isn't like what is that magic number when? Enough grains of sand are in your hand and it becomes a heap of sand. It's just like it's unquantifiable But Mm. once it happens, you know and that that's kind of what we're dealing with here I, I don't see Arteta going anywhere um, this season um unless like it gets to, like I say, if we lose like the next six on the bounce, seven on the bounce, eight on the bounce, whatever, or if we genuinely end up in a relegation battle, which I, do, I don't think we will. I do think it will get better, maybe a bit better, but I, I think, um, you know, going back to what I said earlier about kind of having a plan and going with it from the beginning, like there, there are two reasons I think a manager should do that. One, Um, you don't confuse the players and that's, you know, Clive referred to it as the washing machine. That's what happened under Emery. Like eventually you just confuse the fuck out of the players and they go... Like, what, what are we even doing anymore? Mm. Um, and, you know, and you read stuff from like Bielsa and people like that who are just like, no, you must stick to what you are doing at all times. Because if you waver, you lose the players. And unfortunately, I think I've seen Arteta waver a couple of times. And we spoke about it after the Leeds game when we abandoned the playing out from the back. That to me was a bit of a red flag. This fucking aimless crossing is a big red flag for me and him putting it on the players and saying that they're missing too many chances big red flag for me quite frankly um but the but the other reason is then you you recruit around it you recruit around that style and the guys that don't buy in you don't necessarily have to freeze them out but you sell them you just say okay he's he's not what we want you know that that's that's what Klopp did right he he came in he played the style he wanted to play from game number one he weeded out and sold the players who couldn't do it and he brought in players that could do it and and that's you know and I guess another thing another big red flag for me is Arteta saying I think quite correctly he's saying look this is not an overnight job this is going to take three years etc etc yep completely agree so why did you buy a 32 year old on a three-year contract why did you buy 29 year old cedric on a four-year contract why did you give a three-year contract to a Bamiyang? if this is all about this is going to take three years and it's about the future well actually your recruiting behavior has not demonstrated that at all in fact you've replaced the 24 25 year old winger with a 32 year old one Mm -hmm, that that is not the behavior of someone who is building a team for three years time so actually as much as we praised our Tetters communication i think he's mixing signals now that is a big red flag for me um but as as to when we reach that that critical mass of when he goes i mean i don't really know it would just it would as ever it would just be dictated by what the results are but I think that this is a boat that's beginning to turn round, and it's getting harder and harder to turn it back on course. Unfortunately, I, I do think he is falling into this Emery cycle now um, of try of you know basically just grasping at things in the dark. That's what it looks like to me.
1: Yeah, uh, and I mean, look, being likable goes a long way. Emery was unlikable. If Arteta was a miserable, see you next Tuesday, who couldn't communicate, I don't know how we'd feel about him but he is likable. He was an Arsenal captain. He is a guy I want to see succeed. And so I want to give him the benefit of the doubt where possible. But I think there's a difference between giving someone the benefit of the doubt and ignoring the data, ignoring the reality. The reality is the team is bad. And like, you know, let's face it, we've gotten our hardest games out of the way. We really have, in In most cases. He could pick up some points now. But we lost 3-0 at home to Villa. We haven't scored a goal since 1927. You know, our, our attack now is made up of, you know, enough crosses, to fill a cathedral so like i don't know exactly what the the data points are that say don't worry we're we're turning the corner if anything the data points say we're getting worse and now there's no thomas party and he's got to go through the busiest period of the season potentially without him so you know the data points aren't good And, and paul i think that leads to then the question of like where is the courage to realize that the future is what we should be planning for not the present and that leads me to the bench in the derby where was nelson I don't know if he's hurt. If he was hurt, then I, I apologize for referencing Nelson. But I, I've not seen anything that Jesse was. Where's Smith Rowe? Where, you know, why do we have El and Willick and Maitland Niles and you know I, I don't and and Sabyas. You know, like can you, can you sacrifice one of them? I mean, Willick, fine. He's young. He's a future. But like, can you can you get Nelson on the bench? Can you get you know someone who has earned a position who can do something a little different? I know the Arscast talked about this. Um, you know, the second half, there's an incredible stat going around from Duncan Castles, I believe. Is it not Duncan Castles? Who am I thinking of? It, it's a different Duncan. It's, it's Duncan. It, 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 anyway, it's an Opta guy. And it's, Arsenal have the fewest second half shots this season of any team of the 92 in English football. So, maybe you have Nelson on the bench because you know William's not going to do anything. Like, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, what, what, is, what is the commitment to the meritocracy in terms of the way he's he's bringing those young players through, and and his willingness to stick with a player like Willian, I mean, how, how do you feel about that? It's Duncan Alexander, thank you, Tim. Typed it in. Duncan Castles is, is different. He's the guy who lives inside Jose Mourinho's anus. So, um, I mean, Paul, wh- where, where where is that? Where is that meritocracy? That commitment to a a bright young future that can take our mind off the uh, dull, dreary present. <laughs> yeah. Um
4: like for this game uh, I, uh, I kind of had this agreement with myself I didn't really care what he did in terms of what was on the bench I, I kind of I just wanted him to do what worked unfortunately he didn't so I wasn't going to uh, I could understand why for this game he would have gone for experience I think in general though it is one of the my more minor concerns but 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 more, still fairly significant is his development of the youth players. Cause he's very, very, very cautious about introducing new players. And like he can point at Saka, but Saka was well, well on his path before. Uh, he used Martinelli, but then he kind of slowed down on, on using Martinelli. Martinelli stopped starting and started being on the bench. Nelson, he used for a little while early on. And I thought he was beginning to show some interesting capabilities uh, before the break um, that Arteta seemed to really appreciate that he was kind of taking the coaching and and using the coaching. And now he's kind of disappeared from sight. It's too early for Smith-Rowe, so I'll give that a pass. He used Willock a heck of a lot, as did Emery uh, in the previous season. Uh, but now he's cooled his jets on him, having brought in, I guess, Willian, uh, and kind of being crowded for options um, up the pitch. And he's using Lacazette in in the spot that maybe he might have positioned Willock. But as we've debated before, I never really see Willock as being used as a ten. He's more used as a an, an aggressive presser, runner, a little further upfield. Um, but even Willock has kind of disappeared from view. Maitland Niles has skills and abilities. We apparently wanted to hold on to him, having kind of changed our mind about him, and that's basically Arteta having changed his mind about him, and he's not using him either. Um, So he's got bigger fish to fry, and I've bigger bones of contention with Arteta than that, and as the French would say, we have other cats to whip Uh, But, um, uh, you know, one of the things I I wanted to make sure with Emery while we were suffering with him was that he would use and develop our younger players. I mean, Arteta should be great at this. He should be great at working one-on-one with these players and developing them. And it's, you know, probably the area of his coaching that I'm most frustrated with. Um, beyond the obvious, we're playing like shit. Um, I mean, the root cause analysis of what our problems are, you know, should it is this a time we should talk about the manager? Yeah. Um, I think the decision really comes down to his squad, his team. I think, you know, we lost Emery when the team said, that's enough of this shit. Uh, we see no way forward. I think a lot of the indecision or the maybe the contradictory communication we've seen with Arteta recently um, is down to the fact that he may have just realized he doesn't have the answer. He thought he you know, he thought magical things would happen as uh, as he kind of built structures and patterns and, and automatisms. And he's got to this point and it's not working he, and he's not sure where to go next. And him and the team need to get together and work out how they move forward. But the root cause analysis of our deepest problems, you know, uh, should should the ownership, should the club be sitting down to discuss Arteta?
1: Yeah, they definitely should.
4: But they should have an eye on it.
1: They should have an eye on it. They don't have to sit down and make a decision now.
4: No, but what they should be asking is what's the real fucking problem here? And it's not necessarily Arteta. And we all know that, right? No, I don't. I don't know that I don't know that. You think the only problem we have is Arteta? How did we pick Arteta?
1: No, 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 we no. Sorry, K&G? no, 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 yeah, no. Yeah. Oh God, no. Of course not. No, I don't think he's the only problem. What I'm saying is, I don't know that he's not the problem. Like what I, what I mean is, like I don't sure. know that the other but, problems but at the club. From the club, the club standpoint, yeah.
4: I would be worried if the only thing they they said was is Arteta the problem here. Yes, yeah, so, but but they, but, they um, w- but
1: we know they're the problem. Too. That's, see, this is a problem, Paul. It's kind of like it. it, it it's the whole thing of like we're going to get. Uh, it's like when a company gets an investigator to investigate themselves, and the investigator says, "Nope, the company did everything right." You know what I mean? Like, there's no one there. Like, and and so can I? Can I actually answer something? Well, you there just, is yeah. now, Tim Lewis.
4: But but I, but I think it's the biggest issue. It's a bit like uh, buying players in the summer to fix next year's problem. Instead, like if we're going to, as fans, have a voice and say something, we shouldn't. Let's stop fucking around (laughs) questioning the manager. You know, that's plan B. Plan A is give us a world-class approach and structure and explain it to us. Edu sitting down with us in the summer for a nice little chat with him and Arteta saying how they were going to work together and they were going to use more video and blah, 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 blah. Fuck off. Come to us. Explain to us clearly and precisely what your plan is as a club to make this a world-class uh, operation up against the best of them. We we know we're going to have to wait a few years for the best players uh, for a manager that's world-class. Maybe it's this one, maybe it's the next one. It's not looking very good for this one at the moment. But I, do, I don't think getting into a big discussion about whether we sack this manager or the next manager fixes a, a fucking thing about this club until we top to bottom work it. like the root cause is the leadership of this club mm. and we need to say to them show us what the plan is communicate it clearly consistently like say what you like about gazidis he had a plan he then left uh, maybe his plan might To be fair he's doing he really well with Milan
1: his plan at Milan is buy young you know use data you know, he's doing all the modern shit there and it's yeah. working, so it makes me sick. And, but.
4: and it's not so much a discussion that he was great and we should have kept him because no, we wasn't. all yeah. know there were major issues with him. It probably would have turned to a shower of shit, but I will say something about it. Mm. It made sense on paper before the people showed up. Yeah. You had your Sven hat, You had your – Yes, but – Before well, we, we knew we who the people it. were, right? We, we had scr- Raoul. <laughs> we yeah. We scrapped yeah. it. Uh, we abandoned it. We had well, it. We understood <laughs> it. We yeah. had analytics. We had coaching. It made sense. We were planning to be world class. We we built up. We were building up the academy. We put Per Mertesacker in place. It all looked like it made sense. Now, like this guy Vinay, mm. who's supposed to be good guy at at uh, as basically running the business. I mean, you could, you can go across the board. Edu, I think. Might be a good guy with some ability, but oh, show me on. a world class operation and nah. world class structure. So if we're going to rub <laughs> the genie in the bottle and make a wish, mm. I wouldn't waste it on. Ooh, maybe we should swap out the manager right now. I mean that may that may you know that's going to be decided by the team and the manager. We should, as a fan base, if we want to be world class, say. Give us a world-class structure, a plan communicate it. Tell us what's going on. We we can see how City are set up. Okay. We can see how Chelsea are set up. We can see how Liverpool are set up. God damn it! You can even see how Tottenham are set up. And it's not about the manager.
1: Yeah, and look, I mean, you can. We can't spend like Chelsea. The Chelsea model doesn't fit us. But for God's sakes, Tammy Abraham was a stunningly successful guy in the Championship and then even put up good underlying metrics in the premier league and they still were like now nah, we need Timo Werner and we're sitting here like well Eddie and Kenny is good enough i think maybe like just there there's levels to how you do this but yeah. but but you know what it reminds me of if you've ever seen the movie Starship Troopers have any of you guys seen the movie Starship Troopers It's like a campy science fiction movie. And there's a thing where, you know, they're getting killed by space bugs. And every time a guy like a sergeant gets killed, the, the guy turns to him and taps the next private on the shoulder. And he's like, you're it until you're dead or I find someone better. (laughs) Like that's our approach. We, we kill Raul and we just make Vinay the guy. And we just make, edu and arteta the guy and it's like we had a structure Gazetas leaves raul's a crook raul leaves vinay gets the job edu gets the job arteta gets promoted to manager and the funny thing is i would be so much more on board being much more patient with arteta as a young bright coach he's clearly bright he's clearly talented there's something in there in my view some may say i don't see it i do think there is if he was just the coach with a structure above him. What scares me is we made a first-time coach in a really tricky period of the club's history, the manager. And we consolidated power in him. And now, I actually think that buys him less time. Because if he was just the coach, you could say, you know what, we'll let him figure it out on the job and we'll just get the structures above him right and we'll start building him a better squad and he will learn and we will get better. But because now the power is consolidated in him, he becomes a single point of failure. Clive has talked about it a lot. And that single point of failure is someone who's never done the job before. And that is really, really dangerous. And, you know, I, I'm I'm sorry, but, like, you you look at some of the early choices, and, and Tim highlighted them well. You know, the decision to bring in Willian and give Cedric a deal and, you know, some of the players that are getting picked, it, it is a worry. And so if you're building for the future and your attack is bad, I, I don't know that you want to give your 31-year-old striker 300000 a week for three years. Because here's the thing, look, I'm not saying Arteta out. I'm not saying that. But I am saying the questions have to be asked now because even if you're like Elliot, it's the squad. The squad is bad. And even if you want to set aside that Arteta had some things to do with that squad, it is not the 18th bet. There are not 17 better attacks. There are not 16 better, 15 better squads. And if there are 17 better attacks, then why did you give 300 grand to the striker? Why did you bring in Willian if he's so bad? So it, it is really hard to come up with, for me, a scenario dispassionately where I would look at a big club sitting 15th, 16th with the 18th best attack, 11 games through the season, 10 goals scored, now really with a full season of bad attacking metrics and say no questions have to be asked. Totally fine, stay the course. Clive, I mean, this for me is the issue, is what would you look at right now and say these are the things that lead me to believe our turnaround is on the horizon. Because to be clear, results aren't the only way you can measure. You can measure with underlying metrics. You can measure with things that you see and you say, I look at that and that shows me we're moving in the right direction. What are those signs? What are those metrics that have you saying, yeah, um, oh, by the way, pause on Twitter, pause my pants. Thanks, pause. 90 minutes is plenty. You can go. You're fine. Bye, guys. Bye. Good luck. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, yeah, we're going to wrap up here. But like, uh, I mean, Clive, I do I do want to see, I, I lo- the thing about Arteta is I like him. And I want him to succeed. I think making a manager was was unfair to him. We can go down that road again later another time. But like, what are the metrics? If you had to say, Elliot, deep breath. Here are the things I see that are working, that are good, that are leading us in the direction we want to go, and why things are going to turn around. What are what are those things?
2: <laughs> the day after Spurs, you're asking me what's working.
1: Well, I mean, you know, Rapid Vienna look good. Can, can we go back so, to that? Maybe what we need what to do I, is just what, be a permanent say, uh, uh,
2: Europa League team. <laughs> <laughs> what, I, what I will say is and what's becoming I've been, I've been in dressing rooms right when well, you go going to dressing when you're not playing well and what tends to happen is you've got three departments in your team and you know the, the strikers start to talk about a defenders not keeping the goals out and vice versa the defenders say well you need to score one so we're not under so much pressure and the, midfielders, the defenders then say the midfielders, give me a bit of cover you're not there for me or the rest of it and what I really I heard Jraie Jenner say this yesterday actually, but he sort of sparked some thoughts in my mind. I don't see enough relationships on the pitch. I don't see relationships between our midfield and our attack. And I'm looking at the I'm I'm really perplexed by the Bam situation. I'm looking at the reasons why that could be happening. And I think it's because he doesn't know when the ball's coming. He doesn't he doesn't agree with the quality that's coming from that level of the pitch. And I just think he's had enough. And we I've had enough of our setting midfielders. And that's why we're dragging one black bloke back on one leg. And on one leg, he was still our best player. Right? The gap is massive, absolutely massive, <clears throat> to what a functional midfield looks like. And from that square, you know, Heuberg was Hoiberg and Sissoko, two dogs, up and down, killing the half space. Nothing, nothing spectacular, but they're able to move. In that system, their strengths are magnified, and their weaknesses, attacking-wise, not necessary. Because they've got Kane, they got, you know, in normally, but La also. and they got Son, making them look good attacking wise by exceeding their numbers. Right? So when no one's looking at them to create, no one's looking at them to score. Just smash people, smash people, make sure we don't get exposed. Right, So Army feels we want something else from them because we're Arsenal. We want something else from them. We want them to drive at the pitch, we want them to create, we want them to fade the ball in. More importantly, there are no relationships on the pitch. So there's no relationship between Bellerin and Willian. We can see that. Willian just standing on the touchline doing nothing worse than Pepe when he was at his worst. And Bellerin's doing his job and trying to defend and do that job as well as Tim too earlier on. On the left-hand side, we see relationships on the left-hand side. We know with Saka and Tierney and the Aubameyang when he's out there. We quite like that side. Gabriel's quite good. There's no relationships in the middle. There's no relationships on the right-hand side. We have to develop some relationships. And... I know it's difficult, but there was some sparks in this game. I saw some sparks in the second half, which from which we can build upon, and hopefully we will see that improve in, against Burnley. But until we have the relationships and trust between the different, the three different units, the trust in each other, I don't see it. I I'm really concerned by it actually, because we're we are disconnecting on the pitch, and we're disconnecting emotionally, and we're a team that when it was hot. We had some relationships between Pepe and Abamiang, Abamiang and Lacazette, Zaka and bamyan We had some relationship developing there, you know, and I think that's what we're missing from the end of last season. And so here we are. We're at the crucial point. We got an inexperienced club. That's what we are at the moment. we ripped out all the people. We got inexperienced leadership. We said we had a podcast didn't we? that something is missing. For well, that that other person to come in to replace As far me, whatever role that's going to be, I think it's really needed because the structure looks very light. And because of that, you're focusing on the management title change because you're seeing the power being inverted into one person. And you're quite right to admit that. For me, I just don't think we're finished in any which way or form. We're not finished structurally. We're not finished buying recruitment and selling because we can't because of the COVID market. We're just incomplete and we have to carry this load of luggage around with us. It's bad we have to limp along and make sure that we can at least reach our potential. At the moment, we're not even reaching that. It looks really, really bad. And so, in a situation where we're in a holding pattern, and I generally can't see a way out of it until we develop those relationships on the pitch and at least reach our level. That may not be that exciting. That may be eighth or ninth, but that's where we should be, not 15th. You know, And that's, that's a terrible indictment on the club. It's recent history. And the fact that we don't quite work out who we are, we need to do what you talk about. It rip the bandaid off, yeah. And really do this proper. Really do this properly. Stop half doing it because you're a little bit worried, a little bit vain. Just do it. We'll be with you if you do it. But don't give me Cedric. Don't give me Cedric and tell me you're doing something. Yeah. And you put, in a, you put in an international kid, maitland Nulls, out of the squad for a Cedric. He's and, on a holiday.
1: And look, so- sometimes. You've got a great coach in a bad situation, and so he can't thrive. And Arteta did come into a bad situation. It got worse than he expected when we realized what a cancer Raul was. That didn't help. And Sven had been gone, and you know the, the data team, stat DNA guys left, and Edu just got the job, and Vinay just got given the job, and Arteta gets and so promoted to manager. The, no, nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody knows what they're doing, and so this young coach may, maybe he never had a chance. The thing is, like Jose Mourinho right now is getting plaudits. We've seen Jose Mourinho be an absolute dumpster fire. So sometimes the situation doesn't work. But the thing is, when you, whether you want to put out, point out, you know, well, oh, Klopp had a rough start at Liverpool, or Hassan Huddle had a rough start at, at Southampton, or whatever you want to point out. I mean, first of all, Klopp was top four second season. All right. But these were coaches who had a track record and knew what they were about. So you're hoping that they will reproduce successes you've seen them have before. This is a little tougher. And Tim, I can already hear it. I'm going to take it on the chin for what I'm saying on this podcast. But this is the unvarnished reality right now. We are 15th, 16th. We do have the 18th best attack. It is a season of these kind of numbers. And no FA Cup victory changes what's happening. And if you want to arrest that decline, the time is now. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying that Arteta, the coach, can't do it. But I also have a hard time with people who say, well, mate, it's the squad, why can't you see that? When this is the guy who wanted Willian and wanted to play him over Pepe. Now, again, I'm not saying Pepe is some world beater. But, you know, why? Why? You, you know, we made this point. So, like, I think just to... To conclude here, this is a bad day. And this was always going to be a hard game. And I'm not saying we should have gone out and won the Derby. But some of the decision-making now. The rushing party back. You know, not giving certain players a chance. Isolating other players. Um, you know, sort of vacillating now between these different approaches. The, the 80, 80-some-odd crosses in the last couple of games. And the not scoring any goals. Yang's body language and performances. like It all starts to feel... Like, we are approaching an end game here. And I would say this. Can he turn it around? He Mm -hmm. can. I have a hard time. Maybe you can think of one. So, if you think of one, tell me. I'm struggling to think of a situation at a big club where a coach got to this level, this far down the table, this bad performance, this bad results, and did turn it around substantially, and then went on to thrive. And if you're going to go back and point to Alex Ferguson, like, be my guest. But, like, aside from that, I can't. So, uh, I mean, what's your sort of most level-headed, circumspect, Attitude about how to handle this. And I guess connected to that, is there anyone at the club who has the vision, the authority, the knowledge base to even know how to handle a situation like this? Uh no, probably not. It's it's quite it's
3: all quite young, isn't it? Um, in the structure. Like e- e- Edu is comfortably the most kind of experienced one. Um and and you know, to be fair, he does have a lot of experience in this role, but it it's definitely missing something and i guess what you could say is that you know we did look it was good that we lost raul sanye here and i i think of all of the things in the last i don't know 15 years or so that have made me angry about Arsenal like I accept some of the mistakes I accept um you know Sven Mislintat not working out for whatever reason I I accept you know Emery not working out for whatever reason like I accept some of these things and like if I was going to put a sunny uh you know serve it sunny side up as as in a manner of speaking I'd say (laughs) well at least Arsenal are trying you know they're actually like they're trying to do something and, you know, they're getting rid of people who are underperforming and stuff like that. The thing that makes me angry is is bad faith actors coming into this club, like Raul Sanyehi, uh, welcoming someone like Keir Jarabchian in, who more than an agent, um, you know, knew the club's business, was talking about the club's business in the media and basically just like making a fat stack of cheese off it and lumping us with, with you know, bad contracts and, and however responsible Arteta is for that. I, I still find it a little bit like i'm not saying i don't think arteta wanted William. i still find it immensely convenient um that they that he happens to want this player who um happens to
2: have the very friendly agent uh, Tim, with, do, you, do you think he was like coerced a little bit yeah through, yeah yeah like this like, is how i feel
3: yeah, yeah. I, I think it was probably put to him. Do you want Willian? By the way, if you want our party in Gabriel, we've got no money left and Willian's free. So if you want another attacker, it's going to have to be a freebie. And uh, look, we've got a big shiny Willian and we can do this deal really quickly. Like, that I think that's most likely how that went down. Now you can still question Arteta there, and Arteta, you know, let's say that's true, could push back and say, nope, that's not who I want. That's that's not, you know, I.
2: And that's but, yeah. the experience there, isn't it, Tim? That's yeah, the experience, yeah. and that's the and, bit that he has to work through.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So you know, as, as for um, and and so that makes me angry that someone like Raul Sanyehi was was, you know, yeah like i say a bad faith actor someone who was not here for the betterment of arsenal um that that makes me angry and that makes me and that's that's what you know that's one of the consequences of having distant ownership um you know there <laughs> you get people kind of doing stuff behind your back a lot easier when you're thousands of miles away and only yeah. really thinking about it once every couple of months um but as, as for how easily this turns around, I, I have to say, earlier I, I agree. I don't see it, which doesn't mean I think we should act now. I, I don't think there's any point. No, no point. Agreed. At the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, I, yeah, I have to I, – I feel a little bit, to be honest, like the last couple of weeks earlier. Like I say, I was feeling all these red flags, and I've been going, ooh – you know, is this pragmatism or is this desperation? And as the weeks go on, I'm like, oh, this is all a bit. This looks like desperation to me. But I, I do feel like increasingly, because I don't want to sound smart after the event, right? I own the fact that I wanted us to to appoint Arteta. I, I completely own that. I wanted it. Um, but I do feel a little bit like I'm, I'm waking up from a fever dream and going, fuck, we actually gave this. Massive, massive, difficult job to a guy who's never managed before, and now like the CEO has left like a few months into his reign, and like not been replaced. Like, what the fuck did we think was going to happen? Seriously, and I, like I, I, feel a little bit like um, maybe, my, you know, again, I, I won't say we, I'll say I, um, and everyone else can make their own decisions about about what they felt at the time. But maybe I bought into. As much as I I tried not to, maybe I bought into the fantasy um, a bit too much. Although, I I guess I always positioned it as curiosity. I thought, Mm. do you know what? Fuck it. There's really no one else out there. It might be fun. Let's see. And to be honest, the reality is it it doesn't feel that fun at the moment.
1: You know what's so silly, guys? One of the reasons you appoint a first-time young coach is the upside. You take a shot on the guy being the next prodigy. And you know you're in a bad spot, you know your club's not particularly healthy, but you got some interesting attacking players and you say, go see what you can do. The reason you hire a young coach is you don't have to give him the keys to the castle, you don't have to make him the most powerful man at the club, and you don't have to stick with him for four or five seasons on $7 million a year. But we did the opposite. We brought him in and almost immediately gave him the keys to the castle, got rid of all the people who had authority over him, and consolidated power in him, ensuring him that he'd have the hardest path to success himself at one of the hardest times in the history of football to operate in the market. I feel for him. And you look at Unai in Spain, and I don't think much of Unai, and we were right to get rid of him. But he's gone on and he's doing okay, so Mikel is going to be a good coach somewhere. Arsenal may be an impossible place to succeed. I fully accept that. But it's not an impossible place to be better than the 18th best attack and 15th best in the table. And Arteta has to move us back up. Now, given that I think this league season is done, and assuming we stay out of a relegation scrap, which I think would be probably hyperbole, probably, then he can then he should stay. He should stay for the season and see what, what he can do. And if at the end of the season we say, wow, the last four months you really saw the metrics improve, you saw the, the attack come together, you see his ideas starting to work, great. The thing that scares me, though, is he's still manager. He still doesn't have the structures above him. So then he's got to go operate in the market. And that's a whole other thing. So, gosh, I feel for him. I really, I feel for him. And I feel for us watching it because the club structure is such a mess that it doesn't look poised for success. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, doesn't mean we'll never win another football game, but will we ever be contending? Will, will we start going in the right direction? A lot of things have to change. And it's not just down our Ted on that. Let's leave it there on that sunny note. Uh, Clive's on Twitter, PFC. Thanks, Clive.
2: Thank you very much.
1: Uh, Tim's on Twitter, at Stoberto. Thanks, Tim. My pleasure as always. Hey, one thing I want to do, it's always good when we can support uh, Arsenal supporter-run businesses and Arsenal Editor uh, does some really great Arsenal memorabilia and Arsenal products and he's got a a really cool, fun uh, Arsenal Christmas sweater right now. It's uh, 20% off and it ships within 24 hours, so you'll have it for Christmas. So if you want to support an Arsenal-run business uh, and not just shave your privates, arsenaleditor.com. Uh, is the place to go ArsenalEditor.com and i'll have a link uh in the the social media post to this to the christmasaurus sweatshirt so always good to support those businesses and i know our blog is doing a whole uh arsenal run business supporting project so you can check that out as well um we'll be back with a rewatch this week if you can believe it we will genuinely rewatch one of the halves of that game and i think probably the first half to be fair um because i think there's more in it clive you think maybe
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. As long as you get me a counsellor afterwards because my well-being is really struggling. But, yeah, I'll be up for it, mate.
1: Well, you need a counsellor just to come on and pod and have to talk to me every day, so I appreciate that. Uh, Look... This was no fun, and I know I'm going to take it on the chin for some of this stuff, but uh, I can handle it. So come give me the abuse at Yankee Gunner, or just block me there. Easiest way to do it, and leave these other fine gentlemen alone. But more than anything, we do love you for sharing this with us and, and being here with us and, and going through it together. Uh, I look forward to the time when we are debating which one of our 38-league wins in a season was the best. So uh, cheers to that. We love you, and we'll talk to you after Arsenal 10, Dundalk Nil.